Hey everybody, this is Eric Mueller, the host of The Eric Mueller Show. You're tuned into the podcast that explores what makes any successful person's inner clock tick by unlocking the most impactful tools within their success portfolio. I'm joined today by Leslie Danford, founder and CEO of Vitaminis, the first scale brand in functional food and beverages for families. Let's head on over to the interview. Leslie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for making the time, Leslie. I I really appreciate it. And before we really dive deep into this entrepreneurial story of yours and the advice that you have for young entrepreneurs specifically, we want to know what makes up your success portfolio. So if you're new to this show listening, a quick background on this, a way to view it is kind of to think about an investment portfolio and really how that lays the foundation for financial goals with whatever investments you choose to put into there. So the goal on the Eric Mueller show is to discover how successful people like Leslie invest in themselves and build the foundation for their success. So Leslie, start us off here. What are some skills, traits, habits, or mindsets that make up your success portfolio? Oh boy. Okay. I think there's a few and um, I did not prepare these answers, but I, when I think about it, I think there's a few things. I'm a huge believer in habits. So um I am pretty aware of that. And there's like a few things that I really try to to make a part of my routine. Um, The first is exercise. And I feel like before self-care was trendy, I just, I just started doing this like as early as I can remember, like as a teenager, every couple of days I exercise no matter what. And the thing about it is um, you always think there's something else more important that you need to do. But the reality is and I don't work out for like two hours. It's like 30 minutes. The reality is if you take 30 minutes for yourself every two days, that is always fine. Like it always is never a reason you can't do that. And, you know, even if I'm tired or I don't really feel like it or whatever, I just go do it like on clockwork. And usually once I get started, I'm like, oh, I'm glad I did this. I, I never regret it afterwards ever. And that's just something I always do. So it's funny. I, I would have like in the past, I probably would have thought of that as sort of like a compulsive thing. But now that I think about it, I do think it's like self-care because it's mental. It makes you sleep better. I feel like I got something done that day. It's for me. It's not for anyone else. Um, so that's one thing. And I try to be that way about sleep too. I really try to get to bed at a reasonable hour. I'm usually asleep before 10, which is kind of embarrassing. Um, but it's like the same thing. It's like at a certain time of night, you just got to call it and like pretty much whatever needs to get done for that, get it done. And whatever's not done by then, you can do it tomorrow. So I try to like kind of guard those couple of things. Um, And then the last one uh, that I can think of is I have this sort of philosophy. If something can get done quickly, like less than five minutes, just do it. Like literally just do it. So if I'm on my phone and I see an email, I'm like, I could reply to this email in 30 seconds. I'll just do it instead of saying, oh, I'm going to save this email. And then like three days later, I see it and I feel bad. I wish I'd done it. I just try to do it. And I think my grandma had this little thing on her wall um, when I was a little kid that said, do it now. <laughs> it's like sort of like Nike or something. I um, I always think about that. I'm like, yeah, just do it. Just do it quickly. You won't regret it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think those are um, really types of traits and, and qualities that everybody can really resonate with because it is, it's, it's you know, it, it's simple in a way, but it also requires a substantial amount of discipline to do that, to exercise, to put you know, I come from a running background, specifically distance running. And I would always think that 
not that it's technically 50% of the battle, but in a way it is kind of 50% of like getting a run in for the day is like just putting your shoes on and tying them up. And then the next little bit is getting out the door. And then it's like, you're already on your way there. So I think it's, if someone is starting off a habit like that, starting small and kind of, kind of building up can be, can be a good thing too. But like you just said, I mean, maintaining the consistency and just getting it done. And if you have something simple on your, on your list, I love that too, that if it's, if it's going to take less than five minutes, just knock it out because procrastination is, I don't know if you feel this way, but I think I procrastinate a lot because I want to do it well, because I want it to be, you know, perfect or, 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 you know, I want it to be a high quality of effort, but then I end up just waiting so long and it's like, probably should just knock it out because I coined this, this quote quite often. It's a previous guest of mine, Ben Whiting. He said, done is better than perfect. And I think of that a lot of the times when I'm procrastinating something and I think, why am I doing this? Like I, I should get it done because I'll feel better. And, that, and perfection is not something that we can probably ever achieve, but if we chase it, we might be able to do something really well or excellent. So Leslie, thanks yeah. for sharing that. Thanks. I just want to caveat too. You should take everything with a grain of salt because you know every flip side of a strength is a weakness. Um, and like as an entrepreneur, I do like to get things done and do stuff. But the flip side of that is like on occasion, I'll do something as a little hastier and wish I'd taken a little bit more time on it. Um, but I think net net in this field in particular, getting something done is better than not doing it at all. But not necessarily everywhere. Like if you were a surgeon, <laughs> to do that. Right, exactly. It's not definitely not a, a catch-all in every single field and every single endeavor. So I, I think it, it should certainly help you to start in this episode off as, as a listener. You know, kind of think about what parts of Leslie's uh, success portfolio might fit in well with yours. Maybe you're like me and you don't really go to bed that early, and you probably should. That's something that I'm thinking about right now. And Leslie, as we as we get further into you know success as a whole, I always think about what is the definition of that? And the success portfolio kind of lays that foundation of what, what can get you to be successful or get you to have consistent efforts. But you also want to know where you're going and how you define success because it's kind of a subjective thing. Everyone probably defines it a little differently. So I'll ask you, what, what is your current definition of success and how has it maybe changed over time for you? Oh, that's such a good question. You know, early in my career, I definitely defined success by very sort of like, by the book, kind of like uh, socially acceptable, like you got to do this, you got to get grades, you got to go to school, then you got to make money, like da 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 da. But definitely, as life has gone on, um, I've had to revisit that, not just because you should, or, you know, one should revisit what is socially acceptable, but also like life throws you curveballs and you just don't know. Like you might be on this track and like chugging ahead and life throws you a curveball and you have to reassess it. Um, which is part of my story. One of the reasons I uh, started Vitamines was I got laid off during pandemic. So, you know, there's reasons to do that. But I think like for me, um, a lot of it is about listening to your intuition, which is like a little bit like touchy-feely. But if I were being completely honest, as far back as I can remember, I wanted to start a company like my mom tells stories about when I was seven, I borrowed like dimes from her. I drew like a book and I borrowed dimes from her to go make copies. And I tried to sell them outside the corner, like trying to like, and then I paid her back, um, that kind of thing. So it's like, I always wanted to do that. But for many years, I was on this, like, go to school, go to grad school, get on the corporate track, you know, move up, you know, get promoted. Da, 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 da. And it's hard when you're like in that, like, go, 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 go to really remember, like intuitively what you are really going for at the end of the day, because it's that intuition, like what you really want that um, needs to fuel you. The other example I'll give is outside of work is I've always wanted a big family. I have four kids. 
And there were many, many times along my life where I was like, I can't have a kid right now. It's not going to work with my work. You know, people are going to take me seriously or like, how am I going to have another kid? I'll never get all the work done, all this kind of stuff. But if it's important to you, you have to make it work. You have to like carve out what you need to carve out for those goals. Because especially with like families, at some point, doors are closing, right? Like now I'm 41. And so it's like, you gotta, it was never convenient, but I had to sort of remember that that's something I wanted and make it work. So yeah, that's, that's like a long answer, but I think that's, it's, you gotta like listen to your, your intuition on that. Yeah. I think that's a really important part actually. And to think about that, that example of, of having a family, I think is something that a lot of people that are probably highly driven, highly motivated, have that, you know, kind of shared same belief where they just think, how would I add this into my life as well as all these other things I'm trying to do? I kind of feel that same way. So I don't have yeah. any children at this point. And I'm, I'm thinking like, I already have a, a to-do list that doesn't seem to end. And there's always like, oh, I could always be working a little bit more on something. Yeah. But I think that's a great point that, you know, if that's something that you value and that's something that's important to you, you just got to slot it in there at some, you know, eventually you can't wake up and be 65 and think, oh, I really like wish I would have had kids like 45 years ago or whatever. Yeah. So. I think that's I think that's really helpful for people to hear. And I think another piece that makes you super unique and and probably resonate really well with people listening is that you earned an MBA from Harvard and and a bachelor's from the University of Chicago. So some really pretty impressive schools right there Leslie. I want to ask how important is traditional education to you and how did those experiences impact and influence your journey now as an entrepreneur? Yeah, it's so interesting. Again, like it's so funny, like looking back versus like when I was, you know, a young teen making these decisions, at least for college and that kind of thing. Um, you know, University of Chicago, when I went there, accepted over 30% of students because this was like pre Obama, pre whatever it was everyone's backup school. So everyone would apply to like the Ivy Leagues, throw UFC in as their backup school. Um, and that was the only, that was the best school I got into. So I applied to better schools. I did not get in. I got into like U of I and U of C and like, I don't even remember now, but it was the best option. So I was like, great. So that I think is a great example where life steers you in a direction. And I remember at the time I was super disappointed because I was a swimmer in high school. And at that time, when I went to University of Chicago, they didn't even have a full-size pool because they are just so not oriented towards athletics and, you know, like all those like where fun comes to die stuff. And I was like, I can't believe I'm going to college. It doesn't even have a pool. This is ridiculous. But, you know, now looking back, it was a wonderful experience. I mean, at I went to public school. And when I was in high school, I could get decent grades without even trying, like in my sleep. And then I got to USC and it was like, oh, you got to study. I, I got my first C. It was like a very humbling and formative experience, but not like in a good way, <laughs> you know? But like, that's, I mean, I think it's a great example of like, you don't know what life's going to throw at you. Um, and then Harvard Business School was a very, very interesting experience, very similar in the sense that I learned and was a ton. It was transformative, but not in the ways that you think. It wasn't about learning academics. It wasn't about any of that. Um, but the way the school, the way the classes are format, formatted is you're in a section of 90 people and your whole first year, all your classes are with those same 90 people. And you have to talk a certain amount of times um, to get your grades. Like you, so everyone like studies the night before you do a case, you read the case, you take all these notes and you come in and the professor like cold calls you or he'll ask these questions. You got to jump in. I was terrified to talk. So I went there when I was like, I went to Harvard at 25. 
And I was absolutely terrified to, to speak in front of 90 people. So I would sit there and my heart would be pounding and I had my notes and I'd like think about saying something. But by the time I was thinking, someone else had already said it. And that was like one of the biggest things I learned in that first year was like, you got to say something. And you know what? If you say something dumb, who cares? <laughs> it's like, it doesn't matter. Um, so that's funny. Like when I think about like the most formative experience there that I can think of was that it was like being able to have the, the confidence to know that you read the same thing everyone else read, whatever you think is the right answer, or you think is a valid point probably is a valid point because you actually have something useful to say and who cares if someone else doesn't agree or whatever, um, which is not what I would have thought I would have taken away uh, from Harvard Business School. But the other big thing was like the network, like they say, I mean, and it's funny too, like graduating, I didn't use it that much, but now I'm, I don't know, I graduated in 09. So whatever, 13 years, at, 14 years out of business school. And I still call on my section mates. I still remember them all. I remember their kids' names. They call on me. We we still keep in touch. And I know I can ask for favors or whatever. So that is important, obviously. Yeah, I think that that really sheds a lot of light on how formative and how important having that traditional schooling background can be. And really, I kind of felt the same way when I went into my undergrad at St. Olaf College in Minnesota. Kind of that same feeling of high school was relatively easy. I was able to make straight A's pretty regularly and got to St. Olaf. And I I will say this now. I told my parents, I'm like, I feel like like one of the dumbest people here. I'm like, you know, it's a it's a group, you know, a school filled with smart people. And I'm like, okay, I get that, you know, you're smart enough to get in, but like I feel like I feel like I'm not extremely smart compared to these other people. But I think that's another point that that you made with, you know, just speaking up and, and believing and having the self-confidence in your response. That's probably something you learn in the in those school environments as well, as you're kind of formula formulating, you know, your own mindset. And so I think we have a lot of people listening that are in a similar boat of they've done a fair amount of traditional schooling, but they also have this interest in entrepreneurship. And I think what's unique with what you've done with your company, Vitaminis, is that you blended your, your personal interests with some formal business training to start it. And I think that's crucial. And I want to ask you, how important do you think it is for entrepreneurs to create companies that are at the crossroads of those two avenues, their personal interests and their expertise? You know, I think the interest part is super important. I think the expertise part for a startup is medium important. <laughs> and I'll say why, because I worked in the beverage industry, but um, I worked in alcoholic beverages, so different. And some of that knowledge was helpful. But in re reality, when I was working in a corporate environment, my role was completely different from what I do now. Like when I started Vitamines, I was doing ev literally everything um, from scratch. And a lot of it, I had to just figure it out by asking advice or digging in. And I actually think it's helpful to not have all that knowledge because if you think you know everything, you're probably going to miss something. Whereas if you go in and you have to figure it out, you're going to ask those dumb questions. And guess what? You might actually stumble on something really interesting. So like you might think like if you were, if you thought you knew all the answers, you might say, oh, this can never be done. But if you're like trying to figure it out, you think, oh, I can do this. Like this is how we're going to do it. And you never even think it can't be done. Um, but I do think having a personal interest is very, very important. Um, I've always been passionate about health and wellness and nutrition just in my own foodie. But I do think about like getting all the right nutritional elements. And I'm a huge believer that food is medicine and that kind of stuff. And when I was working in alcohol, I do like to drink too on occasion, but I did always feel like there was a disconnect there where I was pouring all of my energy and all of my talent 
And I learned a lot and I liked my coworkers and all of that, but I felt like there was something missing. Like if I stepped back, it was like, I'm pouring all this energy and time and talent. And for what, you know, like, so somebody buys another bottle of tequila. Like for me personally, that was not, it didn't connect with like what I really, really truly wanted to like give the world, if you will. Um, so that's the part that I think is more important than anything when you start a business. And I don't think it means you have to be like saving babies and everything, every business, but it should somehow connect to what you truly are passionate about because that's going to come out in everything you do. Every time you talk about it, every time you pitch a retailer, every time I hire an employee, um, you need that. Like you can't fake it. Yeah, I think I, I really believe that when you talk to someone that has started a company that they're passionate about, you can tell immediately. You can see their eyes light up. You can hear it in their voice. So I think, yeah, that's, that's a great point to have, to have that passion and certainly that interest. And I'm glad to hear you say that that expertise, at least with a startup, is kind of, kind of more of a medium because that is one thing that I think a lot of entrepreneurs, including myself, probably struggle with a little bit. You think about you have to have you know, at least something to offer of value, something that you are at least somewhat of not an expert necessarily, but you got to be able to do the work to create the product and have like maybe at least the knowledge to know which part of the market you might fit in and is there a market fit for it how to target the right you know, consumer avatar, those types of pieces. But you also, another piece that I think makes you kind of a unique uh, you know, guest here is that you, you talked pre-interview about the pandemic being somewhat of a starting point for what led you to start Vitaminis. Mm-hmm. Would you mind telling us that story behind it and, and also like kind of how like a crisis can, can possibly be the perfect starting point for success? Yeah, for sure. So... Like I said, I was kind of on this corporate track. I like went to business school, graduated, did management consulting for six years, chugging along. Then I joined um, this alcohol company and I was like moving around, doing all the things. And um, I ended up leaving the alcohol company in 2019 and joining a hotel startup growth company. It was a SoftBank backed hotel company. Explosive growth in the US was the plan. This was 2019. Um, and I joined actually to work for um, a Harvard Business School classmate of mine. So it's back to that network. He was like looking for someone to help grow this thing. And I was like, yeah, let's do this. Let's work together. So I joined 2018. Long story short, 2020 comes around and everyone got laid off. Like everyone that I had hired, I worked for almost a year. I hired a big team. We built this stuff and literally the whole thing melted down. And it was really a crisis for me. Um, I had gotten laid off before with like cuts of employee employee being cut and things like, you know, reorganizations and that kind of thing. But I think the part that was so shocking to me was I had been on this path and I felt like I was already taking a big risk and leap to join this hotel startup that nobody really had heard of. And even some people I worked with when I went to join, they're like, I don't heard of that thing. Why are you doing that? So it already felt like a risk. And then that subsequently went away. And I felt like I just had like nothing to stand on. And that was in 2020. No one was hiring at all. Oh, not to mention my three kids at the time that were in daycare, daycare shut down. So now I'm like a stay-at-home mom with three kids and no job. And it's like, I, I had many moments during the time where I was like, what is, what is my life come to? Like, this is not the life I wanted. I've worked so hard. Like I have no job. You know, everything's, you know, my resume is totally screwed up now. And I'm like spending all day like doing laundry and like kid stuff. And I love my kids, but like that's not what I wanted. Um, and so it was like there were it's like a good six months of just like unhappiness, where I was kind of like trying to find another job. No one was hiring, trying to do everything at once, whatever. And after about that much time, um, so towards the end of 2020, 
I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop all this. Cause I was like churning in like these interviews and trying to find jobs and nothing out there really like was resonating. And I said to myself, take a step back. And I had in the back of my mind, had always thought about starting a company. I actually, while I was working in alcohol, I had started a PowerPoint deck. Every time I saw a health and wellness, like consumer insight report come in, I wrote it down because um, we were never going to do anything with that. And it was like, people want functional beverages. People want nutrient dense, you know, clean label, whatever. And I was like jotting all these ideas down. And it just, the light bulb went off towards the end of 2020. I was like, wait a second, I could actually do something about this and make my own job. Now, side note, it doesn't pay and that's a whole separate thing. But um, I was like, you know, instead of trying to like try, try, try for something that's not meant to be, why don't I take this opportunity to do this other thing? I would never have done it if I had gotten laid off because it already felt like a risk to take another job at a smaller company. There is no way I would have left my entire career to start something from scratch. Like I just wouldn't, I was too risk averse. Um, so it forced me to do that. And like at the time it was so terrifying, so nerve wracking. I was, I even remember being so almost like embarrassed to announce on LinkedIn that I was even doing this. Cause I'm like, Oh, what is this? Like people are gonna think it's silly. People are gonna think this is such a waste of time. <laughs> now I'm like, who cares? It's so funny. You look back and you're like, why did I think that? Um, but yeah, it was, it would not have happened. I would not have done it if I hadn't gotten laid off for sure. Yeah, that's crazy to to think, you know, how how things play out. And when you look back, you really it's like I couldn't have scripted this better for where you are now. And you know, if you're watching the video on YouTube right now, you can see she's got a sweatshirt on that has her company's name on it. And it's got mini, mighty, and tasty. I think I love that that marketing standpoint already. Like it's like, you know, right when I read the name, I I yeah, there you go. She's showing the products. It's <laughs> little little drinkable uh, little beverage there. I think, you know, you have a company name, at least for me, it immediately I knew what it was, I was like, this has got to be some type of miniature, like, you know, kind of easily consumable type vitamin, which it is. So I think that's, from a marketing standpoint, that's something I think a lot of entrepreneurs probably think, oh, how am I going to like, I got the idea now, or I had the crisis that put me in a position to finally take this leap. Now, how do I like market it? How do I get the word out? How do I tell people that I think, you know, I think this is great, but how do I get people to believe that it is great? And so what was vitamin E's like a rapid launch after you had that initial idea and that initial push, or did it take a while to develop like a marketable product from it? Yeah, it's a good question. So I think the one advice that I have that I did was just start small, just start really small, start cheap and dirty and quick and dirty and whatever. Um, you don't have to have like a fully baked idea, marketing plan, fully vetted, whatever. So um, I actually started by interviewing as many friends as I could get on a Zoom with me. And I think I did like 45 or 50 interviews. And I had a, I had an interview guide. It was not like, hey, how's it going? It was like, I'm going to interview you. And I took notes and everything. And it was, you know, what are your health challenges? And actually, this is another thing. I, when I started Vitaminis, it was oriented towards kids. And it's not anymore. So I've had many pivots. But at that time, it was like, what are some um, nutritional challenges with your kids? Um you know, what sorts of supplements do you use with your kids? What sorts of foods do you give them? What do you do for snacks? Like all this like interviewing kind of like data gathering. And I took all of that and ruminated on it. And I, I thought it was going to do like a full size drink. And then I ended up migrating towards a shot. And now we're, this is probably like three months, two or three months in. And then I found a formulator um, doing internet research. And I also found a group of, um, CPG, other CPG startup uh, founders, consumer products founders called Startup CPG. And I jumped in there and they're all on Slack and I'm dropping messages like, does anyone know any formulators and like getting recommendations and stuff? 
that was probably another month. Um, and then uh, I had to find a co-packer to make a very small amount for me. That was a very, very difficult process. I probably reached out to like 50 or 75 co-packers. They all have these huge minimum order quantities. And I found one that was going to let me just do a few. I mean, so all in from start to finish. Oh, and while I'm doing all that, um, I worked with somebody I, I used to work with in the alcohol company who's in marketing, helped me think of a name and helped me with the website. So there is some money going towards that, but all that took nine months or so. So I, I, you know, at the end of 2020, I started thinking about it. And then I finally started selling online in July of the following year. So it was, you know, nine, 10 months of just, and again, like my, if I had a personal weakness, it's probably jumping in really fast. So, you know, somebody else might even spend more time on the formulation, taste testing, whatever. I kind of did the interviews and the market research, worked with the formulator, launched a product, but I probably could have spent even more time um, on the formulation because I ended up reformulating after getting a bunch of Amazon reviews that said it was too sour. <laughs> but then again, woulda, shoulda, coulda. Hey, you know, if you get it, if, if you get reviews and you reformulate, that's also iterative. So it is what it is. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I think that's, that's very admirable that in that quick amount of time, you were able to, to see if there's a, you know, a need for it and interest in it and be able to build it and scale it and figure out how to, you know, produce it, how to get, how to get it out there. And, and really, so the title of this episode, five pieces of advice for young entrepreneurs, you may have just shared one there, start small, but, but Leslie share with us what, if you're talking to, you know, young entrepreneur, it's intentionally vague. So I'm not going to offend anybody out there by, by saying what I believe is young. But if you have someone that is young to entrepreneurship, they're just starting off with something in that space. What advice would you have for them for for success into the future for whatever endeavor they're they're choosing? Oh gosh, okay. I feel like I'm gonna recap some of the stuff we talked about because I do think you hit on some really important points. Um, I do think the purpose and like what you care about is very important because that's gonna kind of carry you through even when you're not really sure if it makes sense. Because to be clear. I'm still trying to figure out if this thing's going to work. So like, I think it's easy to look at someone and be like, oh, you've got it all figured out. It's like, no, I've pivoted multiple times. I'm still trying to get the word out. I'm constantly getting feedback and improving. And every time it's like, is this, is this really working? Is it not? So um, side note. So anyway, purpose will help you. Like if you're connected to something you truly, truly care about and the way you can maybe think about finding that purpose is like, what are those things that you think about when you have free time? What are those things that, you do when you have free time that you that bring you joy or energy to talk to your friends about like that's kind of how you can think about what are those like innate things that really drive you that to like tap into that um and i think um positivity is really important too and a lot of that has to come within yourself and that's so much easier said than done but nothing's ever final nothing is ever uh set in stone or, or total failure, you know, you're going to hit hiccups. You're going to have challenges. I can tell you many stories about like getting said, told no, like 25 times in a row and you just keep trying. So having that positivity of like, there's, there's always a way there's always a learning. There's always a next step, I think is a really important piece of advice. Um, you can give up, but just know that that's a choice you're making, you know, cause you, there is always a way to per to persist. Um, I think having a strong support network is really important. Um, whether it's like a co-founder or even just like a partner or a good friend or friends that you can just, you know, you know, you can go to this person, just pick you up again. Cause there are a lot of ups and downs in the journey. So you kind of need that, 
that network of supporters around you um, to help build you back up again and remind you of how great you are when you feel like you're not. Um, the self-care that we talked about, super important. Do not sacrifice your physical and mental health for this. It's not worth it. And it's not going to work out. Like you might think you're like working harder and you're going to like ignore all these needs, but you're just going to pay later. So don't do that. Like make the time for yourself. Do take care of yourself. Um, and the last one might be more specific as a mom, um, but it could probably apply to any situation, but get that support, you know, like make sure you're, you're asking for help. You're getting help when you need it. You're not trying to do everything. If there's something that you can outsource, do it, you know, like don't try to be micromanaging everything at business and at home and everything else. It's just too much. Like, you know, pick your battles and get help and don't be afraid to ask for help. I think those are my, my few things. <laughs> yeah, that that's fantastic, Leslie. And I, I think, I mean, I'm going to recap them real quick just because, you know, just A to show, I was diligently listening as you were as well, listener out there, but, but so you have that purpose, the positivity the supportive network of, of like, you know, like-minded professionals or like-minded people in your area, the self-care, and then getting support or asking for other help if you need it, whether that's at home or in, in your entrepreneurial endeavors. So those will obviously all be tagged in the show notes. But if you need to listen back to it, I think it, I think it would be helpful because there is so much truth to everything that Leslie just shared. I can think of even in the short amount of time that I've done this podcast or my buddy and I from school have, have a business called Farmlaw, which helps pharmacists basically study for a law exam that you need to pass to get licensed. But thinking about the things you just shared, I can think of all the examples where that really it showed true in, in terms of those endeavors and how it has been, you know, an up and down type type situation. There's never, it's never like a, a particularly smooth journey. But I think enjoying the journey is something I'm trying to, to be better at. I don't know if you found that, Leslie, throughout either, you know, your time as a parent or during this entrepreneurial type type journey with with vitamins. But have you found that it's easy or difficult to enjoy the journey along the way? Or I guess, where did, where did oh, you man. think that? Yeah, That's like the key, right? Like that is what mindfulness is. You know, mindfulness is enjoying the moment, not worrying about tomorrow, not worrying about if it's going to work, not dwelling on the past. It's like literally living in that moment. It's so hard, you know, but I mean, we all try to do it. I think kids force you to do it because they're so... They live in the moment. It's like, oh, look at this flower. Oh, look at this picture I made. And you have like, there's no philosophical discussion. Everything's in the moment. Um, but yeah, I try to do it in the business too. It's hard, it's hard, of course, but sometimes I just remind myself that this is something I always wanted. And like I always dreamed about doing my own thing. And I now can control my own schedule and my own decisions. And if I want to have a meeting or not have a meeting, I get to decide. Like those are just silly small things that I try to remind myself to enjoy. <laughs> Oh, for sure. And keeping, keeping the end goal in mind as far as why you're doing what you're doing. So that can help keep, keep you motivated too. If you think, you know, if, if you're trying to do something and you don't really know why you're doing it, it's probably going to be easy to lose motivation or lose that passion or just think, what am I doing here? And so I think that, that that's super important. And Leslie, would you share about your company, Vitamins, like what specifically about it makes it unique and why, why is it, you know, the solution that, that people need in terms of also adding into their self-care? Yes, for sure. So um, I have, like I said, I've always been very interested in nutrition. I really, really, truly believe if you take care of yourself, you can bypass so many ailments. Um, food is medicine, like what you put in, what you get out kind of thing. Um, but at the same time, it's really, really hard to get all of those vitamins, nutrients, protein, everything you need on a daily basis for a variety of reasons, allergies, 
just difficult to eat that many vegetables. And actually, I learned too that produce is less nutrient dense now than it used to be because of industrial farming and processed foods and that kind of thing. So all these factors mean you kind of need a little extra, but I don't love pills. They actually make me nauseous. They're full of weird things. They're just annoying to take. Gummy vitamins are full of sugar. And so I was really looking for something that was like a natural food or beverage, but with a little more, like a little bit more to offer. And so that's what Vitaminase is trying to do. So it's all no added sugar. Um, oh, I got the, it's hard to see with the buzz on. Um, it's all no added sugar, no mystery ingredients. They're all clean label, non-GMO, vegan, um, all allergy friendly, all that good stuff. And what's different, like there's other shots on the market, uh, but these do not require refrigeration. So you can just pop them in your lunch bag, backpack, suitcase, whatever. And they also have no strong flavors, no ginger, pepper, turmeric. They're just juice. So they're great with breakfast or in a smoothie. Um, and they're so easy. It's like if you've always thought you want to start supplementing, but you've never done it or you're just kind of intimidated by it, it's just so easy and clean. I think of it as like a gateway supplement. Like you kind of know you want to do it, but you haven't gotten started. It's a good way to get started. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing that. And obviously in the show notes, everybody will tag the link to get to that website. And I, I think really, I mean, it, it you draw a lot of good points, Leslie, throughout throughout this whole talk of how to how to really at a core take care of yourself. And I think that's something to just make sure you don't neglect that. If, if you're going on entrepreneurship or you're trying to do something like get an MBA or really if you're trying to achieve anything that requires hard work, which anything worthwhile is going to require that, in my opinion, you're going to have those challenges that arise where you may have the crossroads where you could neglect your self-care at some point. And I think I, I've seen that in my own life so far. And that's something that I think it's, it's important to keep in mind the point that Leslie made to begin with her success portfolio with like just exercising or, or some type of self-care thing that you have consistently built in. Sleep was another one that is, you know, something I mentioned that I, I know I need to work on, but it's, it's something where it's hard to shut it off sometimes at the end of the day if you're trying to get something done. And I, I tend to have more energy at night for some reason. So if you're out there listening and you, and you feel like you've been not neglecting, but you could do better on your self-care, I think a lot of things that Leslie shared will, will help you do that. And Leslie, as we wind down, I have one final question for you in regards to family life as an entrepreneur. So you mentioned your mom and yeah. you started this company, you know, kind of in the midst of the pandemic and there was a lot of changes with, with the job, losing the job and, you know, kind of different factors there. How has being an entrepreneur affected your family life? Yeah, it's so interesting. I will say it is a lot of work, um, but you do control your schedule. So it's funny right now we're chatting. It's 9.45 PM. This is a great time. No one's missing me right now. Well, maybe my husband, he's just watching TV. So, um, you know, you can squeeze things in when you're able to, when you want to. And so that is very helpful as a parent. Like, because if I want to volunteer at my kid's school for an hour, I'll pop over and do that. And then I'll just work later or whatever. Um, so I think it's really opened up a lot of flexibility that I didn't have when I was in corporate job. I had to be at my desk certain hours. I was traveling. I wasn't around. So it allows me to be around more. But it's also hard mentally because when you're running your own thing, everything almost seems optional, right? So it's like your kid needs you or your husband wants you to spend time with you or something. You're like, oh, I can put this off. So it's a balance, right? And it's like, it is my own thing, but it's still important. Um, so you have to make the time for it. 
Um, but you know, I will say like back to the purpose and everything, it's really awesome to be able to tell my kids that I'm doing this thing that I did it myself. Like they tell their friends or we go to the grocery store and they're like, there's mommy's vitamin E's, you know, and it's like, so even when I'm working, I feel like I'm very much setting an example for them about going after their dreams or making something happen or like putting themselves out there. And it's not to say when I was in corporate, I wasn't also teaching, you know, a good role model, but it's connecting so much more now um, that I'm like myself connected to it more. Right. Yeah. I think that, thank you for sharing that. I think that that probably, you know, will hit on, you know, it'll probably strike a chord with some people listening who are, you know, parents who have children who are thinking, I don't know if I can make the time for this. You clearly have. And you also shared another important piece that it does seem optional. I mean, I do feel that it with in some ways in regard to I currently still work full time, but with the with the farm law business, I mean, it, it does seem like oh, you could, you know, you could put it off for a little while or it's like it doesn't nothing seems like incredibly urgent. So that's why another point you shared was having someone to keep you accountable in that business, maybe a co-founder. I'm lucky to have a great co-founder, uh, my buddy John. And so we keep each other accountable and hold, you know, hold each other to a high standard of getting things done or, or making sure that you don't put it off too long. And so I I think, yeah, we, gosh, we covered so much good stuff here, Leslie. I really, I I can't thank you enough for all, you know, the incredible insights, the young entrepreneurs out there have got to be leaving this episode, just feeling incredibly motivated to chase down whatever, whatever it is they're chasing. And I'll ask you at the end here, what is the best way that someone can reach out and connect with you if they want to learn more? We'll have the Vitaminis website tagged down there, but do you use any sort of social media or is there any way that someone could reach out if they want to get to you directly? Yeah. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Leslie Danford. We have a vitamin E's page. We've got um, Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, vitamin E's brand, all one word. And I'm basically behind most of those things. I do have someone helping me on social, but if you like put a, an email through the website, hello at vitamin E's brand, it's me. <laughs> so like, feel free to do that. Um, but yeah, come to our website, drop your email. And we send a weekly email with um, information about your gut microbiome, you know, how to support your immune system, all about what magnesium does for you. It's like all these deep dives. Uh, so sign up, you'll, you'll like it. Sounds fantastic. Well, Leslie Danford, founder of Vitaminis. Thanks again for your time on the Eric Mueller show today. We'll look forward to following that journey. And also, are you a football fan? I would be lying if I said I was. Okay. Well, I, otherwise I was going to end with just saying the Vikings just beat the Chicago Bears. You mentioned you're in Chicago. Oh, so I was just going to say go Vikes. So oh, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things, but yeah, well on, on that note, we'll, uh, we'll end uh, this conversation today. And Leslie, thanks again for all your uh, wonderful insights and we'll, we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you.